Hi, and welcome to NFL Game Time Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Rubinson. And on today's episode, we're going to break down each and every matchup of week four. I'm going to pick who I think I'm going to win, and I'm going to also share what I think are the keys to the game for each and every team. I'm also going to share my biggest takeaways from the first three weeks and how some of those patterns, how do I see them transitioning for the remainder of the season? Do I think they will stick? Or do I think there will be outliers by the time the season ends? So let's get right into it, because it's game time! So, I'm going to start, obviously, with the Thursday night game, battle of the past two number one overall picks. That being Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to Cincinnati to take on Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think, you know, I'll start with Jacksonville here. They're a mess. There's no, there's no other way to put it in my mind. You know, you, there's nothing exciting about the Jaguars, and that's saying when they just took had the number one overall pick and took the quarterback prospect that we deemed the best since Andrew Luck or even John Elway. Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be the savior, and I think some of it is our fault for putting so much pressure on Lawrence. But you also look at the talent, and there's not a ton of talent talent on the Jaguars team. But that offense, specifically the skill players, aren't terrible. They're not great, and it's not, you know, the the talent discrepancy isn't like what he was working with at Clemson when, you know, he had all the talent in the world and he was going against defenses that, you know, were nowhere near in comparison. But he does have DJ Chark, LaVisca Shinhal, I really like. You know, James Robinson last year as an undrafted guy proving he can be, you know, a fine a fine running back. So I like some of the pieces the Jaguars have, you know, on that offense. Marvin Jones, I think another, you know, nice veteran who really is right now, at least coming to the year, I had him as their wide receiver three. So I like some of these pieces on this Jaguars offense. Trevor Lawrence does not look anywhere close to the Trevor Lawrence we saw at Clemson and some of that makes sense. Obviously, the talent and speed of the game at the NFL is just beyond what there is in college. It's not close, and I'm not comparing them in any way, shape, or form. But with Lawrence's talent and just his ability to, in my mind, I thought he was did a, just a good job of having those intangibles, you know, being able to scan the field, not just relying on pure arm strength or pure arm talent like some of these other quarterbacks. For me, he was incredibly talented, but he was NFL ready. Like and again, I know going from Clemson to Jacksonville, you know, Clemson one of the best college football teams with a great program. Jacksonville not that uh in the, compared to other NFL teams. But I still thought that Trevor Lawrence because of who he is and the player that we've seen would be able to be at least av- slightly above a, a below average or average when again, it's only been 3 weeks. But he's been terrible. And as the Jaguars, I mean, look, I think there's still obviously reasons for hope for Trevor Lawrence. I'm not thinking he's going to be a bust. I'm not thinking he's already, you know, bad or we should be writing him off. But the Jaguars are just playing uninspiring football. You know, yes, they played better against the Cardinals and, you know, they didn't allow Kyler Murray to light him up like I thought he would. But, you know, I think you look at another team rebuilding in the Detroit Lions Lions have had probably the toughest three games out of anyone, and they fought hard in each and every one of them, and gave and really given each of those teams a run for their money. The Jaguars 
But a not easy schedule. You're, you're facing Arizona. It's not easy. Denver, tough game there as well. But Jaguars have basically gotten run over, specifically that offense, you know, for every, every each and every week. And I and you know, going to the Bengals side, Bengals are a good team. Or they're at least showing it. And something that I think we really have to take notice with Cincinnati is that offensive line has not been as bad as we thought. I was one that I criticized them deeply for passing on Penny Sewell. And although I still think they should have taken Penny Sewell, I mean, that offensive line didn't allow Pittsburgh to get a single sack. And going into the game, the Steelers had the record for most consecutive games with a sack. For Cincinnati to go into Pittsburgh and get that win, for me, you know, we talk about statement wins in the NFL. What type of win was that for a certain player, a certain team? That wasn't just a statement win for Joe Burrow. That wasn't just a statement win for this Bengals team. For me, that's an organization statement win. The Steelers have run over Cincinnati for you know what feels like forever. They've constantly dominated. So for the Bengals to go into Pittsburgh and for the most part dominate the Steelers, especially at the point of attack where you know that was not supposed to happen. You know, good Steelers teams were known for a good offensive line and a ferocious pass rush. And I understand T.J. Watt wasn't playing, but that was a statement win for that entire organization. And I think for years to come, I wouldn't be surprised if three, four years from now, when the Bengals actually are having some success and back in the playoffs, we should be coming back to week three of the 2021 season and looking at that game in particular as, I think, a changing point and a turning point, possibly for both for both organizations, but but specifically the Cincinnati Bengals. I am going to pick the Bengals to win this game. They've just shown so much more promise. That offense looks exhilarating. No T. Higgins, uh, at you know, so bit of a loss there. But Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow are going back to their 2019 days at LSU. Burrow right now through three weeks the run or excuse me Chase the runaway rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year through three weeks. And then offensive line, I'm not going to write home and brag about it. It's not an elite offensive line. There are plenty of offensive lines that are better. And in the offseason, I need this Bengals offensive line to get better and to improve, whether that's self in internal improvement or going out and drafting or signing a guy. But coming into the year, I had the Bengals offensive line as possibly the worst in football. They were right there for me coming into the year with the New York Giants. So for that offensive line to have that type of performance against the Pittsburgh Steelers, they haven't been as bad of a, as I thought. They've given Joe Burrow in that offense more than a chance to you know, throw the deep ball, be creative on offense. And I think this offense, with the youth it has, if they can have some consistency for years to come along that offensive line, this should be one of the more explosive offenses for the next five, plus, five, six, seven years. That defense worries me a little for long term, but I think it's fine now for a rebuilding team. So I got the Bengals winning. There's just a lot to be excited about. I think if you're a Bengals fan with all the young talent and for the Jaguars and Urban Meyer, they're they're in the middle of a note. I, I get it. You do want to be excited about Trevor Lawrence. But outside of Lawrence, who has not played well at all and has been below expectations, there's nothing to be excited about this Jaguars team. And it almost seems like they're in the middle of nowhere, especially after trading C.J. Henderson, who was the ninth overall pick last year. 
this Jaguars team, it doesn't matter the GM, doesn't matter the head coach. It just seems like they're mismanaged, and that's continuing even after drafting what many thought was the best quarterback prospect in years. So Bengals, they're going to improve. Jaguars still going to be winless on the year at 0-4. Tough to see where that win might come by for Jacksonville. Maybe Houston for their second matchup, but as we saw, Houston had its way in every way uh, against Jacksonville Week 1. So now let's move to the Sunday games. The Tennessee Titans taking on Zach Wilson, New York Jets, another rookie quarterback, another rookie who's really, really struggled. And coming into the year, I was of the mind, I did not want Zach Wilson starting week one. I didn't I didn't know who should have started for the Jets, but I thought it would have really helped out Wilson a ton to sit behind, not the entire year, but sit behind a veteran for a few games, learn how the veteran conducts his business, kind of goes about the everyday grind of the NFL. How does he deal with a loss? How does he deal with an interception? You know, how does he conduct himself you know, both on the field, on the sideline, but also in the film room, you know, on a week-to-week basis. So I thought it would have really been smart for Wilson to have sat behind a, a guy like that uh, for a few for a few weeks, especially when you look at the the coaching staff, you know, Mike LaFleur, you know, he was with San Francisco, but, you know, he's kind of been the guy now with the Jets on the offensive side. And Robert Salah is a rookie head coach too. So a lot of youth for the Jets, uh, this is obviously a rebuilding football team as well, like the Jaguars. Uh, but again, Jets and Wilson have been really disappointing. Again, I'm not going to write anyone off at this point in their careers through three games. But I definitely think, you know, looking back on it, I think the Jets probably wish that maybe Wilson started uh, on the bench, at least for the first few games. But, you know, we'll see. He does have a, maybe a bit of an easier matchup against the Titans. I do like Tennessee in this one. It'll be interesting to see how that Jets defense performs, though. Possibly no A.J. Brown. Julio Jones is really banged up, too. He could miss this week's game as well. So Titans going to really be missing some of their, you know, big play threats in their top two wide receivers. But obviously, you know, they've really, after kind of that first game and a half, starting with that second half against Seattle, they've really gotten the running game going. Derrick Henry has looked like the Derrick Henry we've kind of been accustomed to seeing for the last two, three years. Tannehill seems to be getting in a bit of a better rhythm. And, you know, obviously the hamstring, Julio's doing it with, I believe, a hamstring injury. But, you know, if he if he is healthy, it seems like the chemistry between Tannehill and Julio, although not great, is starting to pick back up. So the Titans, this is a team that I expect to be playing in, in January. This should be a playoff team. I think anything less is a bit, it is a bit of a disappointment on their end. So, you know, games in in MetLife Stadium, but I, I don't think that matters. The Titans should be able to run all over the Jets and pick pick up another win. And Titans, you know, a couple big wins here. Uh, Seattle, you know, a banged-up Colts team, but still a big division win. Titans may be really trying to take the bull by the horns in a division that might be the worst in the NFL. So now let's go. An NFC North battle, the Detroit Lions taking on the Chicago Bears. This is a tough game to pick. It really is. Uh, you know, Bears 1-2. and two. Justin, uh, Browns have a solid defense, don't get me wrong. But, oh my, did Justin Fields look bad. And I, I didn't mean to actually start the podcast with three rookie quarterbacks, but I feel like it's getting worse and worse. We started with Lawrence, then we went to Wilson, and now we're at Fields. Like, we're going in, like, regressing order. 
of how the rookie quarterbacks have performed. Obviously, it's one star. I have really high expectations for Fields. I loved Fields coming out of the draft at Ohio State. I think he's going to have a really good career in the NFL. But I think, you know, a really bad offensive line. Remember, Tevin Jenkins, I really loved that pick for Chicago. He was their best offensive lineman coming in. He's, you know, he suffered an injury, I believe, in the preseason. He's out for the year. They cut Charles Leno in the offseason. Jason Peters just isn't the same guy he was with Philly. Justin Fields is not in a great position to succeed. It seems like the writing's on the wall for Matt Nagy, their head coach. And hey, if you're Detroit, you know, I mentioned them <clears throat> earlier in the episode, you have to love what you see if you're a Lions fan. I mean, they took the Niners, they gave the Niners a heart attack. <laughs> I mean, the Niners, they had no business being in that game. They almost come have a thrilling comeback against San Francisco. They go into Green Bay and were respectable. They were a respectable team in Green Bay. They actually were winning at the half. And then if it's not for Justin Tucker breaking, breaking the all-time NFL record for longest field goal last week, they beat the Baltimore Ravens. So this Lions team has played incredibly competitive against some great, great teams. I think you really have to tip your hat to Dan Campbell. And as I say with some of these teams, namely the Jaguars, where you know there's just nothing to be excited about. There's some there's direction with this Lions team. That's what I like. They're not just you know swimming to the middle. They're not just you know swimming in the middle of nowhere with no direction to you know an endless. They're not swimming in like an endless river. I feel like the Lions. There's a direction. You see the five to six year plan that from top to bottom they've laid out from ownership to Brad Holmes, their GM to the coaching staff, there's a direction and a clear-cut plan. And I think if you're a Lions fan, that's to really excite you. You look at all the draft picks they have. You look at how competitive they're playing with a really below-average football team. I am going to take the Chicago Bears here. I think the Lions have played better than the Bears, believe it or not, over the last few weeks. But this game's in Chicago, and I think that I think this Bears defense can play better against a Lions offense that has been really good of late. But I think, again, in Chicago, I think it could struggle a little a little bit with the outdoor elements. So I am going to go with the Chicago, the Chicago Bears. But I think for both teams, Justin Fields with the Bears and really how that Lions team has played under Dan Campbell. You know, I know I've said how much I love Brad Holmes. I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited for both teams. But Detroit Lions, despite what the record says, they're really, you know, exceeding my expectations. And again, there's that, there's that clear-cut plan, which when you're at when you're in the Lions stage of a rebuild, that's kind of all you can ask all you can ask for. So now let's go to the Indianapolis Colts taking on the Miami Dolphins. This is a really tough, tough game for me to pick. Um, you know, Jacoby Brissett, obviously bit of a revenge game for him. He looked tremendous against the Raiders. You know, I know the Raiders might not be known for their defense, but he looked incredible, incredible against the Raiders. This is a really tough game for me to pick. I kind of, this I think, it might not be the most exciting game of the week four slate, but this might be one of the toughest games to pick. I'm going to go... It's so tough. I think it probably depends if Wentz plays or not. I know Wentz, Wentz has not looked good. This Colts offense has not looked good. I usually try not to do this, but I will. I, if Wentz plays, I'll go with the Colts. I I think I will lean the Colts because I do think, you know, this Colts defense, it should be better than 
And the Raiders defense, I don't think they should allow Jacoby Brissett to have as much success as he did against Vegas. I think they'll be able to create some turnovers and just not allow Brissett to just go up and down the field and put up as many points as he did. Uh, you know, with that, with that being said, though, I think the Dolphins will make this close even without, you know, even with Jacoby Brissett under center. You know, so I will go with the Colts. Uh, again, I think they're a better all... They're a more well-rounded team than the Raiders. Raiders' offense has just been elite so far. Having said that, if Wentz doesn't play, or, you know, maybe if he's severely limited, I am going to go with the Dolphins. I do think, you know, Jacoby Brissett has proven that he can be a more than capable backup, and we just haven't seen that from, you know... Brett Hun Brett Hunley's been fine at times with Packers for with the Packers for a backup, but right now, you know, if one says out, I'm I'm trusting Jacoby Brissett more than any any quarterback on the Colts roster. So it kind of depends. Colts 0-3. They really need to turn the script quickly. They are they're not in a position you want to be in and for a team that with the capital they gave up to go and get Carson Wentz, they had playoff aspiration so for them to be sitting at 0-3 possibly 0-4 with a banged up Carson Wentz they are definitely definitely well below expectations as they they really need to they need to turn it up quickly they need to turn it up quickly or things are going to get in my mind really ugly although I do really like Chris Bauer their GM and Frank Reich their head coach so now let's go to the Cleveland Browns taking on the Minnesota Vikings Vikings have Vikings could easily be three and zero. You know they sit here one and two, but you know they Greg Joseph if he, if he makes a thirty seven yard field goal they beat the Cardinals, and you know they lost in overtime to the Bengals. So this Vikings team you know they're one and two have disappointed, but they could easily be three and zero. They have a home game. They it does seem to, to me at least they play way way better at home. They play way better at home than they do on the road. Uh, this is going to be a really good game against the Cleveland Browns. Browns sitting at 2-1. and one. They played really well so far. Their one loss to the Kansas City Chiefs where Browns gave the Chiefs everything they can handle. I'm going to go with the Browns here. I think the Browns are a better team and an overall more consistent team than the Vikings are. But as we saw, I mean... Beating the Seahawks is no easy task. Beating Russell Wilson, I don't care where you're playing, is no small task, nothing to overlook. So that was a that really was an impressive win for the Vikings that, you know, they're just facing, in my mind, just a better team. I mean, I think if they were facing a team that was maybe talent-wise more on their level, I would pick Minnesota. But this is, in my mind, going to be a back-and-forth game. I, th- I do think the Browns will be able to run on this Vikings defense. This Vikings defense has not looked sharp in any way, although they did play pretty well against the Seahawks, did not allow the Seahawks to have their way, you know, did not allow. I, th- I, mean, I thought the Seahawks would be able to score pretty much at will, and holding uh, them to, I believe, 17 points was definitely an impressive feat. So I'm going to go with the Browns, but with this game in Minnesota, where the Vikings play so much better than they do on the road, I think it's going to be a close game, but I think the Browns, with their running game, and just the level of talent they that they have will be able to uh will be able to win it in the end. Also, the return of Kevin Stefanski, very you know solid offensive coordinator for the Vikings. He's making his return to Minnesota, but obviously now as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. So now let's go another in my mind tough game to pick. The Washington Football Team taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Washington has looked absolutely putrid. I mean, they really 
really have looked terrible. And, you know, at least and both teams have. Both teams. Both the Falcons and Washington. I didn't, I didn't have expectations for Atlanta. I didn't love them coming into the year. Uh, and I think a lot of people would agree with me. But, I mean, losing... I mean, they do get the win against the Giants last week. But losing that game to Philly in Week 1 was an eye-opener of just how bad this, this franchise is right now. I, this is such a tough game to pick. I am going to go with Washington, although this game's in Atlanta. I would feel a lot more confident if you were in Washington or just in an outdoor venue. With the game inside, I do think this Atlanta offense can have some success, or more so, again, than if it were in Washington. But that Washington defense, specifically the defensive line, this has to be a get-right game for them. That Atlanta offensive line's not very good. Julio, who, not excuse me, not Julio, he's now with Tennessee, but... Kyle Pitts and Ridley form a nice duo, but, you know, Pitts has been hot and cold, mainly cold through three games. And again, you know, Calvin Ridley is right now, like, by far their number one target. So if Washington can kind of scheme against him, you know, which I think they'll be able to with that potent defensive line, you know, you don't have to blitz the extra guy or anything like that. So I do like Washington to win this game. I think it's going to be a get-right game for that defense, more so that defensive line. And right now, that Atlanta defense is, is really, it's bad. It's bad. I think Heineke, Heineke's going to have success uh, specifically running the ball. I'd like to see, you know, not saying put your body on the line. Uh, obviously, I do want Heineke to be sliding, getting out of bounds when he can. But I do, I would like to see them move Heineke more uh, behind the line of scrimmage, but also just more design runs, you know, get get him moving more. So, yeah, obviously last week they fell behind early to Buffalo. I don't see that. I don't see them falling behind that much to Atlanta. So that should allow Washington to play their type of football more. When Buffalo, you know, when you run up the score like the Bills did against a Washington team, Washington is just not that team that can take on that type of deficit and come back from it. So I'm going with Washington to improve to 2-2 two and two on the year. Now going Texans, Bills as Texans. Davis Mills looked solid to me. You know, I know they lost to Carolina. They didn't. They weren't able to move the ball consistently, but I thought Mills's pocket presence and ability to go through his progressions for a guy who was very raw coming out of Stanford, a third round pick. I believe he missed a lot of time in college. That he his pocket presence and ability to go through his progressions were definitely not advanced but more advanced than I anticipated. So I definitely think there's a foundation from which Houston can possibly build on. That being said, the Bills are finally coming into their stride. You know, a bad loss to Pittsburgh week one. I think Buffalo's kind of regained their confidence, have some momentum after a dominating win in Washington. Not to mention this game is in Buffalo. So everything going the Bills' way. So I I like the Bills to take care of business and beat the Texans, you know, pretty handily. Again, I... I think, you know, the Texans have in some ways played better than I thought. I, you know, I think David Culley has promised as a head coach. But at the end of the day, I think I think Buffalo gets the job done and, and uh, improves again and continues continues the way they've been playing and carry their momentum. So now let's go to the 0-3 Giants against the New Orleans Saints. As, you know, I talked about the Jaguars and the Lions, right? I talked how the, the Lions have a direction and the Jaguars, it's very murky. I have no clue what the direction is of the New York Giants. I mean, they have... What What's I think even more frustrating is as terrible as they've looked through three weeks, and they have looked at... 
absolutely putrid, and it's been ugly, and there is no direction with this organization. As frustrating as that is, they should be two and one. <laughs> you know, believe it. I'm, again, yeah, they should be two and one, and as they are not going to face the much tougher part of their schedule. But this team should be two and one. They should have been in Washington, and they should be in Atlanta. They're beating themselves. Too many mental errors. Too many self-inflicted mistakes. This is just a bad organization, a bad franchise, and just a poorly, fun, poorly fundamental football team. There's no other way to put it. And I liked Joe Judge last year. Last year, the Giants, they were competitive in a rebuild, in a year that everyone knew was a rebuilding year. They were competitive. They were learning how to win games. They didn't always win the games, but they were learning how to win games. And I think that's what you have to do when you're a young team that's rebuilding with a young coaching staff, namely Joe Judge. And I think there was some promise last year with Judge, Patrick Graham, their team as a coordinator, and that the Giants, for the first time in a while, had a sense of direction last year. Well, for every step they went forward in 2020, they've, in my mind, taken two steps back. This is, they don't have direction. They're, they're not only are they, they're now not only trying to find how to win games, they're almost actively seeking how to lose games. There's been a negative, I guess it's, you know, a double, you know, it's been, I, you know, I usually would say, well, there's been improvement year to year. There hasn't. In fact, there's been regression from this Giants team. They went 0-3 against the Broncos, Washington, Atlanta. Now they have teams like the Saints, Cowboys, Rams. They have both the Chiefs and Buccaneers on their upcoming schedule. Things are going to get really ugly real quick. It's only a matter of time before Dave Gettleman's gone as the Giants general manager. And I think if you said, I think I did not have the Giants as a playoff team coming into the year. I thought my my expectations, I didn't think they'd be this bad, but my expectations weren't very high. And I think a lot of people would probably agree. And the two biggest reasons they would have said was the offensive line, and Daniel Jones. And that is totally fair. And I probably would have said, yeah, you're probably right. There's no one stat that really is a be-all, end-all. So when I say this, I'm not saying this is exactly what Daniel Jones is and isn't. Derek Carr is, in my mind, I it's him, Stafford, and Murray for the MVP. You know, if we are doing MVP by conference, he's the AFC MVP, Derek Carr. He's a huge reason why the Raiders are where they are. Raiders defense has not played well uh, in two of the three games, at least. But Derek Carr is a is a, an MVP candidate, firmly in the conversation right now. His QBR is 60.3. Solid. Not, like, fantastic, but very solid. Very solid. Daniel Jones' QBR is 60.3. And that would be tied for, I believe, 10th in the NFL. Now, again, I'm not saying Daniel Jones has had as good of a year as Derek Carr and that Jones is has is having, you know, is being that, you know, talented and should be in the MVP conversation. Absolutely not. But Derek Carr and Daniel Jones, QBR-wise, same, you know, same QBR, which is pretty impressive given how great Derek Carr has looked so far. If you, you know, if you care about analytics, and I know I'm iffy on that, but going to Pro Football Focus, PFF, big analytics site, they hand out, you know, like, grades. And so I came across this, this statistic that Daniel Jones, 
his offensive line grade, the, the Giants' offensive line grade, or the pass blocking grade, is 50.9, good for 24th in the league. The receiving grade is 68.1, which, you know, not terrible, but that's 19th. So, a very bad offensive line and a below average uh, receiving core. Not to mention some of the injuries to Engram, Shepard, and Slayton. Then they also have something called EPA. EPA, it's expected points added, and they also have expected points added per play. So, according to PFF, Jones has a .194 expected average per play, which is good for 13th in the league. And according to this, it's a... It's above guys like Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and Russell Wilson. Now, no one's saying Jones is better than those guys or is having a better year than those guys. Those guys are better than Daniel Jones and are having better years than Daniel Jones. The point that I'm trying to get at is that Daniel Jones is actually having a pretty good year. Like, I think this is kind of what the Giants, you know, you could say that, you know, don't take a quarterback at six overall where this is is his ceiling. But through three games so far, and I know the competition's been meh. The Washington defense isn't what we thought, and, and Atlanta doesn't have a very good defense. But Dan Jones, in my mind, through three weeks, is playing like an average to even above-average quarterback. I think you even go to Andrew Thomas then. Remember remember the we were saying how much of a bust he was, how he's the worst of the four tackles? I believe he's allowed like five pressures through three games, and I don't think he's allowed a sack yet this year. I don't think he's been credited with a sack given up. So, two of the players that we were, you know, saying, oh, you know, these guys are going to hold the Giants back, they're playing actually very well, and they're playing what, you know, to, in my mind, their potential and what the Giants were hoping for. And they're still 0-3. That just shows the dysfunction that this Giants organization has really brought upon themselves. And now you expect them to go, they're going into New Orleans. Remember, the Saints haven't really had a crowd, like a full crowd, since 2019 with the pandemic and then the hurricane. You don't think Saints fans are going to make their voices heard this Sunday? With, you know, Dan Jones is still a young quarterback. The Giants offensive line, it, you know, it's they're playing musical chairs along the offensive line, you know, with Andrew Thomas being, you know, the one exception. I think it's, I think, it's week four. I'm pretty sure they're going with their fourth left guard. It's their third or fourth left guard. It's a revolving door along the entire offensive line. Ben Bredersen is injured. Billy Price has been terrible. Nate Soldier can't block anything. And, you know, Nick Gates, who was another guy that solidif- that partially solidified that offensive line, he fractured his leg back in week two against Washington, so he's out for the year. On the defensive side of the ball, Blake Martinez tore his ACL. He's out for the year. I don't see how the Giants are being the Saints. You know, maybe they fluster Jameis Winston, force some turnovers, but this I think this could get ugly for the Giants. I expect it to possibly get ugly in New Orleans. The Giants typically don't do well in New Orleans, especially the defensive side of the ball, which has taken 20 steps back. I thought this defense could have been a, you know, borderline top 10 defense. I mean, they've been nothing close to that. And again, like, I'm not saying Dan Jones is the answer, but Daniel Jones is probably the, is the one thing going right for the Giants is Daniel Jones. And if you told me that through three weeks of the year, if you said Daniel Jones is playing the way that he is, I would expect this team to be possibly even 3-0, and but at the very least 2-1. and And here they sit, having gone through the easy part of their schedule and are 0-3.
It's the end of the Dave Gettleman era. I, I thought it would take a complete catastrophe for Joe Judge to be gone. And through three weeks, that complete catastrophe, that complete catastrophe is slowly starting to transpire. I'm not advocating for Judge to be fired. I still think there's something there. There's some potential there. But Joe Judge, if the Giants continue to play like this, I don't know where the wins are on this Giants schedule. I don't know where the wins are. Chicago, they play Philly twice. They play Washington again. They'll probably, you know, maybe they'll pull off an upset where we least expect it. But they're not met. They just went through the easy part and are 0-3 and, an embar- and have played embarrass- an embarrassing brand of football. And there's no excuse. And the Giants need to look themselves in the mirror and get it right quickly. Because this is going on for pretty much the last decade. Since, 20, since, since they won the Super Bowl in 2011, it, they've almost been a model of dysfunction. They have the worst record in the NFL since 2017, tied with the lowly Jets. And I feel like that's all you need to know about how this recent New York Giants organization has fared. So, I'm going with the Saints. Maybe the Giants can shock the world, but if they do win, that's exactly what it'll be. Shocking the world. So now let's go to another NFC East team coming off an embarrassing loss. Philadelphia Eagles getting absolutely trounced by the Dallas Cowboys on Monday Night Football. Now they host the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs will be angry. They're going to come out motivated. They're one and two. I still this is still a playoff team. This is. I really like the Chargers. Raiders and Broncos are both over overperforming. I think some. I think some of their magic, so to speak, will come down. Although I do think, I do like what the Raiders have done so far. The Chiefs are still going to make the playoffs. I still, I would still pick them to win the division. But there's definitely concerns in terms of the Chiefs. The, the Chiefs' expectations were not to make the playoffs. The Chiefs' expectations were not to win the division. The Chiefs' expectations were, let's go capture another Vince Lombardi trophy. And what we've seen through three weeks, specifically two of the, the last two weeks, have been anything but that. The Chiefs need to play better football, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. They, they can't, you know, they can't say, Mahomes, please give us 35 points a game, throw for 350 yards with no turnovers. Yeah, you know, Mahomes has done that for the better part of his entire career. But, I mean, the Chiefs' defense needs to help Mahomes out somewhat. I do think this is a get-right game. This Eagles offense has talent. Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, Jalen Hurts, I definitely think has talent. And one thing you like about Philly is, I believe if the season ended today, they would have not one, not two, but three picks in the top ten. Now, obviously, season ended today, we're three weeks in, so a lot can and will change. But the Eagles are going to have a ton of draft capital. Probably I would like them to you know apply it mostly to their defense, they're gonna have the opportunity to replace Jalen Hurts if they don't think he's the future. But there are some there are some nice pieces on this Eagles team. I do think though the Chiefs they're gonna get on they're gonna get back track back on track to an extent. I do expect, you know, Mahomes I think Mahomes is gonna have a big day against a suspect Eagles secondary. I'm interested to see though, the Eagles, their offensive line has been okay. It hasn't been great, but it's been, you know, solid at times. Miles Sanders, I think, had like two carries or some, you know, some really low number against the Cowboys. Something I'll be looking for is how, and I know the Chiefs, if they jump out to a fourteen nothing lead, it won't matter. Running the ball won't matter, but 
how will Philly be able to run on the Chiefs? Because so far, every team against the Chiefs have been able to run on them pretty much at will. And again, even in a pass-happy league like we live in today in you know today's game of football, you do. I mean, you can't be this bad against the run like the Chiefs have. The Chiefs need to play better football. They need to play better football on the defensive end. They need they need to stop the run. This right now is the worst run defense in football. This is the worst run defense in football. And you know when you're going to be facing teams like the Browns and Ravens and Titans come playoff time, you can't be that bad against the run. You need to at least be average. You need to at least be respectable. You need to give. I mean, again, like Mahomes, you know, has thrown a few turnover or has turned the ball over a couple of times. With, and to be honest, the cheat like that's okay normally, but with the Chiefs, they're giving Mahomes as great as he is and as fantastic as Mahomes is, in all three games so far, the Chiefs team, specifically the defense is giving Mahomes no room for error. They're giving Mahomes no room for error, and I don't care that he's Patrick Mahomes. That's unfair for him, Patrick Mahomes. That's unfair for Mahomes. I don't care what quarterback you are. It's unfair to put that much pressure on your quarterback from a defensive from a defensive perspective. As great as Mahomes is, they're saying we need you to be that great each and every drive. Because, I mean, they're giving him no room for error. I think there'll be a little more room for error against an Eagles team that's just not as good nowhere close to as good as what the Chiefs have faced. And I will say that the Chiefs have faced three really good teams right out of the gate in the Browns, Ravens, and Chargers. But as great as those three teams are, those are still games I expect the Chiefs to win. And I expect them to win at least two of the three. So to be one of to be one and two, not what you wanted if you're a Chiefs fan or you're a member of the organization. I'm not worried in terms of making the playoffs, but come playoff time, they better get their act together. Because what they're do, what they have done specifically the last two weeks, and even their you know, you know, narrow win against the Browns, what they've done the last three weeks to open up the season, that's not going to fly in January. And if they play like they did the last three weeks in January, they're not winning the Super Bowl. And I don't, and I don't even think they're representing the AFC in the Super Bowl if they play like they have the last three weeks, especially from a running defense standpoint and an overall defensive standpoint. They're giving Mahomes no room for error. And that's just unbelievable, given the, the given the talent Mahomes is in, that he has to be that good for the Chiefs to be good. It's bad football. I do think they get the win against Philly. Philly is not a very good football team overall. They're rebuilding. They have some nice pieces uh, on the offensive side of the ball, but nowhere close to the to the power of the Chiefs. It, it, Chiefs need they need a get right game from their defense against an offense that we saw turn the ball over, be careless with the Duke. They need to be better, the Chiefs. And I, if they struggle this week, even if they win, if that defense struggles this week, I think the alarms might need might not be a huge sound, but the alarm, the red alarms might need to start you know gearing up to gearing up to go off. So now let's go Panthers Cowboys as all off season, all off season. I was I don't want to say I was riding the Cowboys bandwagon. Yeah, you know, I I thought they'd be okay. I thought they'd be ten and seven. It's not great. And I I think cowboy people who view the Cowboys, it's either they're going to the NFC Championship game or they're going to win six games. Like there's no in between when talking about the Dallas Cowboys, and maybe it's just because you know the whole America's team and the brand that they are that you kind of have to either you know 
love them, hate them, or, you know, pick them to win it all or pick them to pick in the top five. <laughs> There's no in-between, I feel like, when talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Now, for most of the offseason, I had them in-between, and I guess I kind of came off that point, you know, as we headed into week one. But, you know, through three weeks, this is kind of what I thought about the Dallas Cowboys. Like, to be honest, they've looked about, I think, how, you know, I thought they, I thought they would lose to the Chargers. But other than that, like, this is about what I thought the Cowboys would be. I, you know, I thought that defense, I didn't love that defense like everyone else, but I thought they were going to be improved. You know, we think of Dan Quinn as that, as the head coach that, you know, obviously blew the game against, you know, in Atlanta, blew the Super Bowl, and they never recovered. But Dan Quinn, you know, there's a reason why he got that job in the first place. So with that, the addition of Micah Parsons, I know he missed last week, but the addition of a guy like Keanu Neal, I thought this Dallas defense definitely wouldn't be great, and wouldn't, I don't even know if they'd be average. But I definitely thought they would be improved from the atrocious showing uh, that they displayed on last year. And so far, they, they've proven that to me. They've proven kind of what I thought they'd be. They're taking on the Carolina Panthers. Panthers 3-0. You know, statistically, the Panthers are have the best defense in football. Best demons in football. I do like the Dallas Cowboys, though, in this game. The game is in Dallas. It should be a good game overall. But I think, you know, Cowboys, they're going to put up points. We know that. Even against this very good Panthers defense, with a you know in a dome, Cowboys are going to put up points. For the first time, really, all year, Sam Darnold's going to have to have kind of almost the weight of the game on his shoulders. He's going to have the weight of the game on his shoulders and he's going to show out, he's going to have to show out if the Panthers are going to even be in this game late. And, you know, I like Sam Darnold. I like what I've seen from Sam Darnold. It seems the Panthers are doing what the Jets should have done with Sam Darnold. But I I don't think Darnold can win a shootout. I don't think Darnold can go toe-to-toe with one of the best offenses and co- quarterbacks, you know, in Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. So I think the Panthers still think they have, you know, a really not nice uh, core, and I like where they're going. I loved the C.J. Henderson trade for them. Jay Seahorn, though, is going to be a tough loss. If he was playing, it'd probably be the two defensive rookie of the year, top two candidates going against one another in Parsons versus Horn. Unfortunately, we won't get to see that. But I like, you know, a improved defense from Dallas, and I expect this offense to be explosive one another week uh, against Carolina, and I just don't know if that Panthers offense can keep up uh, when their defense isn't shutting opponents down. So now let's go. I mean, we have a treat. We have the entire NFC West is playing each other. I mean, that's all. That's great. The only, my only complaint is I wish they spread the games out more. They're both at 405 in the same week, but Seahawks taking on the Niners. Niners really impressed me last week. Going toe-to-toe with Rodgers. If they get a stop for 37 seconds, they beat the Packers. Four Niners really impressed me. Meanwhile, for Seattle, coming off two bad losses. Blowing it against Tennessee. You missed an extra point. Game went into overtime. Blew a two, I believe, a two-possession game there. And then a bad loss to the Vikings, a team that you really should have beaten. I didn't care. Vikings play better at home, but Seattle really should have won that game. So I feel like both teams are trending in opposite directions. With that being said, I do think the Seahawks get the win. Um, you know, Keeping, you know, I think I'm not going to make excuses, but they were playing in Minnesota, so they did have to deal with a bit of a time difference there here. But the game, even though it's on the road, it is on the West Coast. So I like Russell Wilson 
it's still early in the year when Wilson usually, you know, has his best games. I think Wilson's going to have a big game, bounce back game. You know, that Niners secondary, I still have questions about. So I think, you know, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are going to be able to stretch the field and create big chunk plays for this offense as a whole. You know, I really like this. Not I, The Niners really impressed me, and I think we I think we continue to undersell Jimmy Garoppolo because we're so excited for the, the thought of Trey Lance and his playmaking ability, but... Jimmy Garoppolo is still playing well. I expect this to be a very close game. Should come down to the wire. But I do think the Seahawks get a huge, huge road win in in the division against the Niners team that, you know, is really, really fundamentally sound, tough. And uh, this division is going to be great to watch all year long. So now speaking of the West, let's now go Cardinals, Rams, Cardinals going to the Rams. Cardinals getting a you know a nice win against the Jags, but Kyler I don't want to say he disappointed because because he played well, but it did seem like he wasn't the dominant force that we saw the last two weeks. Cardinals you know they're three and zero. Rams are three and zero. Battle of three and zero teams. I thought last week with his performance against the Buccaneers though Matthew Stafford catapulted himself into the early MVP rankings right now. If I were voting today, the MVP would probably come down to Derek Carr and Matthew Stafford. I love what Kyler Murray has done. I think even against a tough defense, I think Kyler Murray will have some success. And I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. But, I mean, we saw. I mean, that Bucks offense hadn't scored under 30 in forever. And they held him to, you know, 24 points. So, I, I you know, Antonio, or Antonio Brown wasn't playing for Tampa. But, you know, I, I, do, ex- I do think that... You know, Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey against DeAndre Hopkins is going to be a tremendous matchup. It's going to be maybe the best, one of the best cornerback wide receiver matchups all year. And again, we get to see it twice. How lucky! How lucky are we just for that alone? Great game. Games in LA. I'm going to go with the Rams right now. You know, I trust Matthew Stafford more than I do Kyler Murray in terms of. You know, I think they both are going to put up a lot of yards, a lot of points, but. You know, I, Murray has made some questionable plays, questionable throws. When I just think I don't, I, I'm less likely to see that from Matthew Stafford. So I'm going with the Rams. Plus, that Rams defense has played much, much better than the Cardinals. Again, if we're saying you know which defense gets a stop, I, I don't think it's a question. You're taking the Rams defense over the Cardinals defense. So now the Pittsburgh Steelers, as you know, we're talking about how much of a statement win it was for the Bengals. I, I don't, can you have a statement loss? That's my question. Can you have a statement loss? Because if you can, I think we saw it. <laughs> I think we we saw it from the Pittsburgh Steelers having having a statement loss. As you know, I'm saying you know that's a lo- that's a win we can look back on for the Bengals maybe for years to come. And it could be the opposite for the Steelers. This organization, they're I think they're entering a rebuild. That offensive line, which has been a staple for that organization for the last decades really been completely turned over, not the same, not anywhere close to the same in terms of the names you see on the back of the jerseys and the level of production. We saw, you know, TJ, we know how great TJ Watt was and is for them, but to not be able to generate any pass rush, you know, any pressure without him just shows that there's not that same level of depth that we're accustomed to seeing. Now you have, you know, I mean, you lost a tough game. You lost a couple of tough games in Pittsburgh to both the Raiders and Bengals. And now you have to go into Lambeau Field on the road against a Packers team that, yeah, you know, 
They barely got out of San Francisco with the win, but they did get a big win against a good team. I like the Packers. Seems like Rodgers to Devontae Adams, that combination, really starting to find its stride. Adams playing much, much better the last couple games, as is Aaron Rodgers. I think that 38-3 loss to the Saints was a, was a bit of a mirage type of game. Again, the Steelers, they have no direction right now. This is it for Big Ben. This is Roethlisberger's last year in the NFL, I would imagine. Who's going to succeed him? You know, I think they'll give Haskins a, a shot, maybe Rudolph another shot. But if I were to guess, the the next franchise quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers isn't on isn't on that roster. They're still well coached. They're still overall, I'd say, you know, a pretty fundamentally sound team. But the, right now they're old. That's an old team. That's not explosive in the least bit. That we saw how top heavy they were defensively. You know they don't have that great offensive line anymore. This is uh, it. Might not be a five to six year rebuild like we've seen with some other teams, but I think the Steelers after this year are en- entering a rebuild, a bit of a rebuild at least, which we're not really accustomed to seeing the Steelers lose. You know they haven't had a losing season in forever, so maybe maybe this will be the year. But in Green Bay, that's a really really tough game, and you know maybe they can keep it close, but ch- you know checking it down to Najee Harris twenty twenty five times a game. Is you know that's not going to be enough, and we saw they can't run it with Harris. I mean the Bengals, you know Bengals have a solid, have a fine defensive line, but it's not nothing anything to write home about, and they shut down the Steelers' running game, which you know is with the lack of explosive playmaking, and not being able to run the ball, you know there's there's no identity, there's no identity to the Steelers' offense. So now let's go Baltimore Ravens taking on three and O Denver Broncos. Broncos, I like the team. I like the way this team is trending. You know, they do. I really like what they've done in the draft the last couple of years. I don't. I don't think Bridgewater is the long term guy, but I think they have pieces around him that you can kind of drop in a quarterback of Bridgewater's caliber, and he will and can have success. But I think you look at the teams the Broncos have played. Week one, they faced the Giants. Week two, they faced the Jaguars, and week three, they faced the Jets. They've arguably have played the three worst teams in football. They've and now this the schedule gets a lot tougher with the Ravens. I know the Ravens narrowly beat the Detroit Lions, but this is they also beat the Chiefs, the Ravens did. So, you know, Ravens have been inconsistent this year, losing to the Raiders, beating the Chiefs, and then barely beating the Lions. But, you know, I, I think that Dev you know, no Jerry Judy, no KJ Hamler I think for the most part that defense is really going to swallow up the Broncos offense. Again, you know, you look at the Giants, Jets and Jaguars, all defenses that have had really poor years. You know, Jets and Jags you kind of expected, Giants just overall really underperforming. I just expect I know the games in Denver. I know there is a bit of that time difference East Coast team has to travel to the West Coast, but I expect the Ravens to, to be able to handle the Broncos fairly easily, although I thought that with Detroit, and the Lions gave them probably more than just a run for their money, but I think the Ravens, you know, they should get the win. I am picking the Ravens. I like Denver, you know, as a te- you know possible team to keep an eye on the future. I think they have a good foundation, but when you look at why they're 3-0 and the teams they played, that's just not going to continue. They don't play, you know, it's not even teams they play twice, and you look at that division, they're in one of the better divisions in the NFL, and they haven't played any of those teams yet. So I expect the Broncos to kind of regress to the average 
and regress to maybe what we thought they were. I don't want to say, you know, they're fake, but they're certainly not as good as the other 3-0 teams, especially when you look at, you know, their strength of schedule so far and just the teams they played compared to other 3-0 teams or even 2-1 teams. So now let's go Sunday night, the return of Mr. Tom Brady. Brady making his, what, a year and a half? When the minute he left for the Bucks, the second it was announced, I think people had, knew, people, you know, you can kind of see parts of the schedule years in advance. So everyone knew the Bucks and Patriots were playing each other this year. The second Brady signed on the dotted line, and it was announced with the Buccaneers, I think this game, not knowing when it was, but knowing this game would happen this year, was circled. People knew it was happening. People have been gearing up for it. And especially now with the Bucks winning the Super Bowl last year, I feel like it even adds more to the hype. Patriots, they've, you know, I know, you know, they, they beat the Jets. Good for them, I guess, right? You know, yay, you beat the Jets. Um, but I, the Patriots have not looked good. They got beat pre- I know, you know, they end up making it fairly close against the Saints, but overall they got beat up against the Saints. You know, they, they just haven't looked good. The Patriots have not looked good. I know it's, you know, we're not used to saying that from the Patriots teams and I think that's okay because you're all about developing Mac Jones and developing a young quarterback and you know you're in a mini rebuild we're not used to saying that with the Patriots but I think they are in a mini rebuild not in a great division but obviously when you're in a division with the Bills it's going to be tough to win it I'm going with the Buccaneers I think Bray's going to be motivated Bray's going to want to not to mention he's 60 yards 68 yards away from breaking the all-time record set by Drew Brees. So he's going to break the all-time passing yards record in a Bucks uniform in his first game back at Gillette Stadium. He's ready. He's motivated. I think, he, you know, he's I'm, he's obviously not a selfish player, but I think he, he might want to throw the ball 60 to 70 times a game. I feel like every time Bruce Arians calls a run, he's just going to audible out of it. You know, every time they get in close, he's either going to want to just do a little throw, you know, somebody a screen or throw to Gronk in the end zone or he's going to want to QB sneak it like he did last week against the Rams every opportunity Brady gets to score and pad his own stats I feel like he's going to want to do just to get that extra little shove to the Patriots organization but we all know mainly Bill Belichick so Bucks just a way more talented team and Brady's going to Brady he's motivated and I feel like that's putting it lightly now the Monday night game, as we have a really good Monday night game, the 3-0 Las Vegas Raiders taking on the 2-1 Los Angeles tar- Chargers. Chargers coming off a massive, massive win against the Chiefs, and that's the difference of being 2-1 versus 1-2. Meanwhile, Derek Carr continuing to impress. People forget, you know, before Carr had that broken ankle a few years ago, you know, he was playing at an MVP caliber level. He was playing at that high of a level, and you know, people were thinking, like, wow, he's going to be really good for years to come, and the Raiders have their guy of the future. And he never fully recovered from that, or it almost seemed like he never fully got back to that level that he was playing at, you know, pre-injury. I feel like we're finally starting to see it. We're finally seeing Derek Carr, the car that we thought we possibly could get before that injury, as that Raiders offense rolling on all cylinders, and they're not cheap wins either, you know. Week one, beating the Ravens. Week two, beating the Steelers. You know, week three, they beat Jacoby Brissett in overtime. It did take more than I thought it would. But hats off to Derek Carr. He They needed every bit of him 
that defense has not looked great, but Derek Carr is doing everything in his power to make sure the Raiders are winning games and having success in the NFL. And so far, he's he's just done an incredible job of that. I am going to pick the Los Angeles Chargers. The game is in L.A. I think Justin Herbert, he's finally starting to get the ball rolling. It was a bit of a slow start. Was had some nice moments against Washington. Same with Dallas, but didn't look dominant. Didn't he? You know, against Washington, he took over the last couple of drives. But except for those like dri- that driver too, it really feel like, to me at least, he wasn't taking over games. And I think last week, you know, really outdueling Mahomes, getting a big win late against a great Chiefs offense. At least I don't know if we could say a great Chiefs team, but a great Chiefs offense. Uh, you know, big win for the Chargers. Big win for a, a guy, Justin Herbert, who we sometimes forget he's only in his second year. So. Really impressive stuff from Herbert. I think the Chargers are going to kind of just take off from here. Obviously, I'm not going to say they're going to win out and go 16-1. and But I think the Chargers are going to really start to take off, play some of their better football from now on. Kind of what we thought coming out when they just didn't look as fast and as dynamic as I think we once thought they would in the preseason. But I really like what I've seen from both teams. I do think another great division game. We have a lot of really good games on this Week 4 slate, especially in the division. AFC West game should be a fun one. Back-to-back tough uh, in, uh, inter-division games. Or back to, back-to-back divisions. Back-to-back games in the division for the Los Angeles Chargers. So, should be a good one. Should be a really fun Monday night game. I think the Raiders will definitely give the Chargers a run for the money. Should come down to the water. But I am going with the Los Angeles Chargers. That's going to do it for this edition of NFL Game Time Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'll see you next time for Week 5 preview next week. See you then on NFL Game Time Podcast.